we're going to be um, we're going to be going over a, a story. We're going to be dwelling on one story today, and it's kind of spread in different places. Uh, you will find this story. We'll reference a little bit, read some passages, but mostly I'm going to be telling it. You'll find it in Second Kings chapter twenty. And you'll find in Isaiah chapter 38 the account of these of this story. So uh, if you read any of those, if you go to read one of those, you say, that is not what Melody said happened. <laughs> read both of them. And y'all can connect the dots on your own if you want. But today I'm going to connect the dots for you. And this is really what I want us to take away today. Is that, you know, when God created Adam and Eve... You realize that before he created Adam and Eve, that he created everything like this absolutely perfect habitat for his wonderful creation of humanity that he was going to get around to on that last, on the sixth day. And so everything that happened, all the let there be lights and let there be this and let there be that and all of it was good. All of that was in preparation for you and for me. He did all of that for us. And so sometimes we have gotten this sort of an idea that, you know, after Adam and Eve were in the garden, that, that the Lord would come up and check on them every day, make sure they're doing it right. And, he, you know, like, hey, no, Adam, that, that's not where I wanted the tomato plant. I wanted, I tell you, tomatoes and cucumbers, I want them together. Put them over here. And you do, he didn't create somebody to just do what he needed done. I mean, he was God. He had angels. He had all sorts of people to do what he needed done. He created humanity for relationship. And I can just imagine God coming down and walking in that garden, just taking pride in everything that Adam and Eve had done in there. Just like, is that awesome or what? That is so cool how they put those things together, how they put this together, how they moved this over here, how they tended the garden. That's so awesome. I like I like what he did with the, with the, you know, the giraffe hair today. You know, maybe Eve got over there and braided the giraffe hair, made it all pretty. I don't know. But I just have this idea that God was there taking pride in everything that his creation did, just like you and I do with our kids. You know, they get their little Lego blocks or something, and they build something. Well, nobody wants to live in their Lego creation. Nobody wants to live in there. But you and I are like, that is so awesome. Would you look? It has a real door. It has a real window. Look what you did here. You made this so cool. It's so awesome. And I just, I, in my heart, I believe that that is what God wants with humanity. And on this earth, since, since as mankind, we, we chose to complicate things. <laughs> How many of you would love to go back to the garden where things were a little less complicated? <laughs> I, 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 I believe we'll revisit that, you know, a later point in, in time. Um, we'll be able to enjoy all of that that God created for us. Things are a little bit more complicated, but I don't think at the base of things the things are so very different. I think God's goal is still the same. It's him working together with you in this world. Now, the Bible says that the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the children of men. So the earth is ours to work in, to do things, to invent things, to be creative. Uh, my, my husband, we call it, my granny was a very, um, creative person in a very different way. She wasn't a conventionally creative person. And so 
I tend to be somewhat like her, and my husband is not always thrilled about that, what I call my granny gene. Sometimes he says, Melody, okay, if you're going to do that, but please don't try to be too much like granny. Now, granny's in heaven. I don't think she agrees with him, but whatever. So this, this week we were at a, at a hotel, and um, there was no, we brought our, our dinner in because that was the thing to do, and there was nowhere to eat it, so my granny gene went into effect. I think God was really impressed with it. I don't know what Mike thought he hadn't told me yet. But I looked over, and there was the ironing board. So, like, y'all know the ironing board can go real low. And we made a coffee table out of it. And it's like, you love my granny Jean today, don't you? And, you know, all of us have these unique things about ourselves that God loves in you. He looks at you, and he just thinks, I just so love this about her. I so love this about him. It's so unique. It's, it's just so wonderful. And there's this concept in the New Testament. It, it talks about us being in Christ, and it also talks about Christ being in us. It goes two ways. He's in us, and we're in him. And there's this combining, there's this working together. God's not just up every day, and sometimes we get this idea of saying, okay, I sure hope that that Dan works with me today because I have this whole list of things that I need done today, and Dan's the guy to do them, and I hope he's listening because we've got things to do. No, it's you and God working together through this day. Some of the things are going to be you going to God. Hey, God, I have this great idea. Mike didn't like it, so I'm coming to you, Lord. (laughs) And some of it's going to be God coming to you saying, hey, I got something I need done today. You know, there's this person over there. I need them helped. Hey, will you help them today? It's him and us and us and him, us working together. It's not just God saying, put it here, put it there. I've got things to do. You do what I say today, and I'll be happy. No. Some of the things on that list, they're yours. They're yours. You're saying, God, I want to do this. Will you help me get this done? Will you help me figure this out? Will you help me do this? It's my idea. So we're going to kind of go over this story. We're mostly going to look over where it is in Isaiah, because there was King Hezekiah. He was one of the great kings. Do you know that sometimes bad things happen to good people? I mean, I wouldn't suggest go out and believe in God for bad times. But on the other hand, I would say this. You know, the sooner that we just accept the fact that life is going to have problems... And that God is going to be with us in those problems, helping us to find solutions. Then you're just going to enjoy life so much more. Because the number of days in your life that are entirely problem free are very few. But the Lord, I don't believe that he wants us to be like, oh, another problem. Oh, another issue. Oh, you know, oh, I don't think that the Lord wants us to be like that. I believe that the Lord wants us to say, okay, this is what's on the this is what's on the plate today. Lord, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna deal with this? How are you gonna help me? And I'm gonna help you with whatever you're helping me with, and we're gonna be working together. So King Hezekiah had a huge problem. And he had an army came against him that was much, much greater than what he was. And he did the smart thing. He went to God. You know, it went on for a period of time, and they humbled themselves before the Lord. They went to the Lord, and the next morning, 
they woke up. The Lord had spoken to them, said, I'm going to solve the problem. The next morning, they woke up. And when they looked over the wall, all that they could see was just a few little soldiers packing their bags and scurrying out of there as fast as they could because in the night, 185,000 of their men had dropped dead. No battle, no nothing, they just dropped dead. It's like God says, when I take care of a problem, I take care of a problem. So, you know, that's a good, that's a good day. <laughs> you wake up thinking, oh, I'm surrounded by all these, oh, it's cool, it's good. And you wake up and you go out there and, like, the problem overnight has disappeared. That is a good day. <laughs> and then the Bible says that not very long after this, of all things, Hezekiah gets a boil. Like, on your body. A boil. And apparently this boil got infected and it got inflamed and it was spreading in his body to the point that he says he was on his on his deathbed. So you've just had this fantastic miracle, 185,000 troops gone overnight, and you're going to die of a boil after that? And so... Um, the prophet Isaiah came to him, and this is what he said to Hezekiah. He said, get your affairs in order. You will die. You will not live. That's what the Lord says. And he turned around, and he left. Well, how encouraging is that? You're already discouraged because now you're going to die of a boil after all of this stuff. And then it's like this prophet walks in. He gives you a message from God that says, you have no hope, so get your affairs in order. So we're going to look in Isaiah chapter 38. Um, so y'all can check me for accuracy here. And it's, it says this. It says that when Hezekiah heard that and Isaiah turned and he walked out, that he says, Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and he prayed to the Lord. Well, I don't really know where he was, but in my mind, he's laying in his bed because he's, you know, he's almost dead. So you're laying in bed and there must have been a wall here and he just turned over. Just like, go away, Isaiah. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> and he turned his face against the wall and this is what he prayed with his mouth. Okay? This is what came out of his mouth. He said, verse 3, yeah. Remember now, O Lord, I pray. See, y'all are supposed to have like this on PowerPoint behind me. I'm so spoiled. It's just like, I don't have to tell them what verse it is. I guess I should. Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And then Hezekiah wept. Bitterly. Okay, that's what he said with his mouth. But now towards the end of this chapter, it records something that he wrote. And we would have to say that this was probably after the fact that he went back and he recorded what was going on internally. How many of you know that what comes out of your mouth and what's going on inside here can be crazy different? 
Yeah? Have, have, have you experienced that? There can be like all sorts of stuff going on on the inside. And this is what I want you to remember. That God, you know, it's good to speak good things. All right? Everybody remember that I said that. It's good to speak good things. It's good to use our mouth to speak good words. But this is something that's so important for you to understand. That God is your father. He's not touchy. <laughs> And even when your words are not what they should be, God can look past all of that inside of you. And there is a totality that he takes away of this is what they're saying. This is what they said with their mouth. <laughs> this is what they are saying with their being to me. And so as he wrote, this is what he, he wrote in, starting in verse 10. It says, I said in the prime of my life, I shall go to the gates of Sheol or hell. I am deprived of the remainder of my years. What's he doing? He's grieving here. He's starting to work through his grief. If I, if I did my calculations right, and I may not because math isn't like my greatest thing in the world, but he was probably about in his late 30s here. He's a young man. He said, I said, I shall not see you, the Lord, in the land of the living. I shall observe man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent. I've cut off my life like a weaver. He cuts off from the loom. From day until night, you make an end of me. I have considered until morning. Like a lion, so he breaks all my bones. He's talking about the Lord now. Now he's saying some not things about not nice things about God. <laughs> but you know what? God has big shoulders, and He can sift through all the nonsense to the core of your heart. He says, like a crane or a swallow, so I chattered. I mourned like a dove. My eyes fail from looking upward. Oh Lord. I am oppressed, and then he says these three words that is where everything changes, and then the rest is written after everything. He says, O Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. He's thinking this all inside of him. He's crying out. It's like you said I got to die, but do something, God. (laughs) I believe is that his, his heart said that on the inside of him. God stopped Isaiah in his tracks. No, no, you know, God already said you're going to die. You're not going to live, right? And so you'd kind of think that if God said that, that, you know, he'd kind of want to stick with what he said, correct? No, <laughs> because God's heart was not for Isaiah to die. God's heart, God was just telling Isaiah, you know, this is what is going to happen. But now, you know, I'm in him and he's in me. We're working this thing out together. God says, this is what's going to happen. And Isaiah says, do something, God. (laughs) Undertake for me. God stops Isaiah in his tracks. He says, go back. You go back to Hezekiah and you tell him this. You tell him (laughs) that I heard you pray. How many of you, you prayed and you thought God never heard you? He heard you. (laughs) 
And he said, I saw your tears. Do you know that God cares when you're crying? Do you know that God cares? He sees you when your heart is broken. You think, here I am in my 30s. I'm going to die. You know, God cares. He says, I heard you. I saw your tears. And he said, I'm adding 15 years to your life. And he said, in three days, you're going to be worshiping in the temple. So Isaiah, he goes back to King Hezekiah. Hezekiah, he says, this is what God says. Did God just say, oh, I changed my mind? No, I'm telling you, this is a working together of you and God and God and you. God says you're going to die. Hezekiah says, ah, do something, God, you are God. Undertake for me. And God says, okay, I will. <laughs> I'm giving you 15 more years. So he delivers his message. And then he does a most interesting thing that I would assume the Lord told him to do. But he, he speaks to someone there. This is the prophet Isaiah. He says, go get some figs and slap the figs on that boil and make it a poultice. Well, I don't know if at that point that Hezekiah thought, okay, I think he's slipping a little bit. <laughs> I'm on death's bed. He gives me this message from God. Then he slaps figs on my boil. And he says to the prophet, he says, okay, how do I know? <laughs> because you said for me to get my affairs in order. I'm assuming this is what he's thinking. And if I'm going to live 15 years, I'm not getting my affairs in order today because I don't feel like it. <laughs> but if what you say is true, he says, how do I know? that this is what's going to happen. How do I know that in three days I'm going to be in the temple of the Lord? And so Isaiah says to him, he says, okay, I want you to choose. You, I'm going to give you a choice. You can choose one of two things. I read up a little bit. It was kind of complex, so I didn't read any more. But a sundial was a manner of tracking the time. So, and it was determined by how a shadow fell uh, it sounds very complicated to me. I'm so thankful I have a watch. But he said, would you like for the sundial to go forward 10 steps or backward? And Hezekiah said, you know, well, it's normal for time to go forward. So I'm going to pick the other one. That way I'll really know that God told him to say all that to me and slap a fig on my boil. And I want you to remember that he's working with God and God's working with him. They're working together. Hezekiah is making this choice. And I don't know if they understood all the science or anything back then or not. But God caused that sundial to go back in time. <laughs> it looked, from what I could read, it was about the space of about 20 minutes. A reversal in time. And then Hezekiah said, okay, all right, I, I'm, I'm going to get well. What he said is true. So you're working with God and God's working with you, and he can put up with your nonsense. I wouldn't suggest that you just go to the Lord and say a bunch of nonsense on purpose all the time for no reason. But, you know, God is so much more patient with us. He's so much more understanding 
than what we can comprehend. I read a book several years ago. You may have seen the movie by now, but it was called um, Heaven is for Real. Did any of you all read the book? The, the book is so lovely. You should read it. But in this book, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, the bottom line is this little boy had appendicitis. Uh, it wasn't caught. They just kept treating him for other things, appendix ruptured. He was at death's door. And so finally they realized what it was when he was about dead. They took him into surgery trying to clean all this up. And so after all of this was finished, after he was recovered, he began saying things to his father, and his father started realizing that this boy had been in heaven, had experienced heaven as he was walking through this death experience. Now, the staff hadn't told the parents, but he'd actually died on the operating table. But they didn't tell him that. They just revived him and said, everything's good. <laughs> but they found out later that this is what had happened. And so this, during this period of time that he was dead, um, his spirit was in heaven experiencing all sorts of things. And so he just began, his dad thought, you know, I'm not going to milk him. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to sit back. I'm just going to... I'm, I'm just going to kind of watch this thing unfold. And so he did. And so one day his little boy is talking to him. And he said, Daddy, he said, do you remember that day that I was laying on that operating table? And he said, I could, he said, I was above the table. I could see. And he said, Mommy was in my room on her phone uh, texting people about his condition. And he said, you were in the chapel praying. And the dad said, okay, wait, wait, what did you say? He said, well, I could see you guys. He said, mommy was in my room texting and you were in the chapel praying. And he melted because he said that what had actually happened was that he was in that chapel and in his own words, he was railing at God, saying, God, what kind of a God are you anyway? <laughs> he was a minister. He says, hey, I'm preaching your word. I, I'm doing, I've given my life for you, and you're going to let my son die from something? Should it be? Who are you? What kind of a sick God are you saying all these things? But what God heard in heaven was prayer. Was God help me? Aren't you glad? That God can sift through your nonsense and he can see you heart, your heart and that's what he cooperates with. So if there's anything in your heart that you think, I'm going to try and hide this from God, please do not bother. If your attitude is bad, just talk to him about your bad attitude. <laughs> if you have ugly feelings, talk to the Lord about your ugly feelings. But honey, you can't hide what's on the inside of you. But God is not put off by what's inside of you. He wants to work together with you while you're working together with him because you are his phenomenal creation that he put on this earth. He wants to have this wonderful relationship with you and he is not bothered by problems. <laughs> he knew that problems <laughs> were going to be part of life, you know, that happens. It's just after the fall. Problems are going to be there, and God's going to be there. And if you work with God, and God works with you, you're just going to walk through this life working out your problems, knowing 
that God understands your heart. He sees your heart. How many of you have ever been misunderstood? Like you said something, you had like this awesome heart, and then the person who heard what you said thought that you cursed them or something, and you're like, I mean, I feel so misunderstood. But with God, it is never that way. You can walk away, and he understands your heart. He understands that you might be confused. He understands that you might be angry. He understands that you might be working through some things, but at the bottom of it all, he understands. And he's working with you to get you in that place where you want to be. (laughs) And you do want to be there. (laughs) And he's asking you to work with him to do the things that he needs you to do. You know, God came to Abraham and he said, you know, I'm going to bring judgment down on these cities. And Abraham began to negotiate with God. (laughs) Who would have thought that you could do that? (laughs) But he did. He began to negotiate with God. What about this? What about that? What if this? What if this? What if this? And it shows us a picture that, that God was cool with that. It's like, you're working with me. I'm working with you. We'll work this out together, you know. We're going to take care of this situation. We'll take care of this sinful situation, but we're going to work this out together. You are not a a dispensable part of the relationship. This relationship, okay, do not raise your hand. Most of us have had a friend or a relationship where everything was about them. Most of us have experienced that, where you were in a relationship where it was, I want this, I want that, I want this, and I want this. That is not God. That is your experience with your friend. But God, even though he is God, he is wanting this connection with you. He's not in this just saying, I want everything my way, and all you are is a little pawn. I'm going to move you here. I'm going to move you there. I want you to do this. He wants you to work together with him and him to work together with you. All right, well, thank God. We're doing good on time. So this is what I want us to do. Let's all bow our heads. And I just want us to to look in your heart. (laughs) Focus on what's on the inside of you, all right? Not on, you know, what the kids are doing playing over there and I'm a little bit hot and what about this and why is that light so shiny? But focus on your heart. And Lord, we just come to you today as your children. Father, we are so grateful that even though you are God, that Lord, you want to work with us. You want us to be a part of what you're doing and you want to be a part of what we're doing. Lord, we realize that you did not, you did not have to make it be that way, but you did. And Father, for every person in here this morning who has been going through something, and I sense in my heart, Lord, that there there has been some distance from you. Some, some distance created because of events that have come up, things that have popped up, situations that have come. And I pray for every one of you who are experiencing that this morning. 
Just let the love of God, Father, let the love of God, let the love of God just flood. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. If you feel kind of funny, just take a deep breath and settle down because I really feel like the love of God is being poured out to some people here this morning who have needed to feel that touch of his love. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we give ourselves to you this morning. Just let this be a prayer that comes from your heart. We give ourselves to you this morning, Lord. We want to be workers together with you about the things that are important to you. And thank you so much, Lord, that you want to be a worker with us in the things that we come up with, with the things that come into our hearts out of the creativity and the the heart that you've placed within us as your offspring. And Father, help us to be so aware of your presence in every situation, even in those difficult ones, that we wouldn't allow them to just floor us. But Father, that, that we would be looking to you as the one who is always with us, always there to help always there to lead, always there to direct, always there to give that word that's just the right one for the day. That we would be so aware of your presence and that we would look, Lord, to you. <laughs> oh, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.